the lawyers bringing the prepayments. Well, as you make your way back to your seat, I do want to acknowledge uh, we do have Brook Nursery today. There is nursery, so I'll make, I'll make that announcement again. <laughs> All right, so let's make our way back to our seats here, family. Uh, as I was saying, uh, there is Brook Nursery today for our two and under. So if you have a two-year-old or under, there is nursery. There are nursery workers prepared to handle the kids today, so um, ha- you can have the kids come on down there. But our threes and up are here in the in the fellowship in our sanctuary for uh, our time here. Man, I'm excited to be here. Who's excited with me? Man, this is great stuff, man. Um, I want to reiterate what Pastor Jeremy was saying. Big shout out to our Brook kids teachers, Brook youth leaders, those who serve. We put our hands together for them. Man, we thank God for them. Watch this. This today, and what we saw last week, in many ways, is a product of their ministry. We baptized uh, two of our children and one of our youth last week, and we're doing that again today. Three of our young ones and one of our youth who've come through the Brook programming with our kids and youth, man. Praise God for that, right? Leaders, thank you. Thank you. You've done a good job teaching the kids in our family, our church family here, and uh, we, we know that among us, our future business leaders, educators, pastors, missionaries, those in the medical field, we know these kids are being raised up in this way, so I'm excited about what God is doing through our Brook kids and youth. Well, we know that uh, many of you are here today to support those who are getting baptized, and thank you for doing that. We know that your physical presence today means a whole lot to them. Um, They are so nervous, and you being here makes it more nervous for them. So thank you. I'm sure they appreciate it. Um, I'm going to share a little bit from God's Word, and then we're going to transition to talk about baptism some more uh, and get ready to baptize the five of those who are stepping into the waters today courageously. Um, Over the past month and a half or so, uh, what we've been doing on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about what the average day in the life of someone who wants to follow Jesus looks like. We've titled our message series 24-7. You know, as I talk with people, a lot of times we we get wondering, what's a a typical day supposed to look like for me when I decide, when I put in my my faith in Jesus and I determine to follow him? What what should a day look like? And so what we wanted to do was unpack from the time we wake up until our head hits the pillow, what a day in the life of a follower of Jesus is like. We looked at how the big overarching theme is to be one who seeks first God's kingdom, to put him as the priority of our life. And we all know that that's not easy, but we know that when we do that, God causes all things else to align. We talked about spending time with Jesus first thing in the morning because we know that the moment we leave our house or the moment our day is going, we're going to get hit with all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff to redirect us, tempt us, uh, cause us to trip up. You been there with me before? And then we talked about what work is like. We talked about the desire, yes, to make money. It's a good desire. We've got to make that money because we got bills to pay. But we also know that in the workplace could come all kinds of trials, all kinds of challenges and temptations and struggle. And sometimes we're left wondering, how do I make my workday matter in a way that's significant for God and his kingdom? 
And so we talked about what that looks like, how to unpack it. We also talked about friendship. We said every man needs a friend, needs a brother in his life who can speak truth to him lovingly. And every woman needs a sister in her life who could do the same because we weren't meant to live in isolation. In fact, the more isolated we become, the more difficult life becomes, begins to be and the more dangerous life is because then we answer to no one but ourselves and we make pretty bad leaders of our own selves often, don't we? And so when we choose to be in community, God aligns us with his will and with people who are going to keep us accountable. I need that. You need that. We all need that. This week, what I'm going to talk about, uh, in addition to what we've talked about in evangelism as well, is rest. Family, y'all need to go to sleep earlier probably for most of you. I'm looking in the mirror in this one here. We need rest. We need to be people who understand the value of rest. You know, when I, Erica and I got back from Israel in January, we had the great privilege of being there for 10 days. Um, and since I've been preaching after that, people have come up to both of us numerous times, so much so that I need to mention this to you, say, hey, there's something different about your preaching or the way you guys are. It must have been the Israel trip. And so I'm like, it's interesting you say that because I definitely feel different, but I don't think it has anything to do with Israel. So I want you to hear me here because I'll be thinking like, man, we need to go to Israel then. <laughs> Definitely go to Israel. But what God's been doing in us has less to do with Israel than what Israel represented for us. It took me some while thinking this through, like, what's going on? What's the difference? When we went to Israel, we didn't have our cell phone usage. We were at a different time zone, so all you guys were sleeping when we were awake, so there was no one to talk to. And no one to distract us. When we were in Israel, we basically shut off our phones except for certain times we had Wi-Fi. We were at biblical sites reflecting on God's word, thinking about its implications and the realities of the fact that Jesus walked this land. That, that these places were historical places. And what was happening was our faith in the space that God created was being nurtured and formed according to God's word. And so what I've learned is it had less to do with Israel as much as it had to do with the space to rest spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But many of us don't create that space in our lives. We live in a Western culture that values busyness. So much so that we think busyness is virtue. And so the more busy we are, we're like, hey, but I'm accomplishing stuff. And we fail to realize that accomplishing things at the expense of your rest is not fruitful, ultimately. What I want us to understand today is that rest has become history in a lot of our minds. You know that phrase, and the rest is history. Well, I want you to know that the rest ain't history. Rest can't be history. We need rest. In fact, rest is history in one way because it began with God's plan, and then rest also can't be something we forget we need to keep doing. So we're going to talk about rest today and let you know why the rest ain't history. 
And in order to do that, I want us to open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 2 to start out with. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible, so you're going to meet me like on page 1 or 2, depending on your Bible. There is a Bible in the chair in front of you there. You see that blue one there? If you don't own a Bible, uh, please take that one, and it's yours. It's our gift to you. If you do own a Bible, just forgot yours, please use the one in the pew in front of, or the chair in front of you. I'd love you to meet me in the book of Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to be doing some bouncing around today in various texts, three in particular. So I just want to put that on your radar, but I'll try to give us good directions on where to go, where to meet me. A lot of times we forget that rest was God's plan. I heard somebody once say, and maybe you've all felt the same way, that when you feel really driven in life and you got plans and you got things to do, sometimes rest becomes a hindrance. You're like, man, who wants to rest? I got things to do. I got a world to, to take over. I got a mountain to climb. And often we forget that God created rest. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. That's what Genesis means, beginning. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see how God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke the world into existence. The Bible teaches this. He did so in six days, and on the seventh day, God did something very unexpected. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And look at verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he what? What's the word there? He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, I often read this and think about it. This is weird because how could a God who's all-powerful, the theological word is omnipotent, how could an omnipotent God need to rest? Like, did he get tired? Like, what was it, the elephant? Or what, what, what got him tired? Creating the trees? Was it Adam and Eve? What, what was it? And what we learn here is God rested not because he got tired, but actually to set for us a model to follow. God rested on the seventh day. The first day of the week is Sunday, which means the seventh day of the week is Saturday. God rested on Saturday. The word rest in Hebrew is Shabbat. And you may have heard of the word Sabbath. It comes from the word rest. The word Sabbath means to rest or to create space to recover. God did that on the seventh day. Now, we fast forward into the book of Exodus. We won't, we won't go there together. We'll find the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. And God lays out these different Ten Commands that he wants his people to follow. It says things like, children, honor your mother and father. Do not murder. Don't covet. God says things like this. But among them, he says, keep the Sabbath. See, God mandates our rest like he mandates we don't kill someone. I want you to hear the importance here. God mandates our rest like he mandates don't steal. So if we don't rest, we are breaking God's command. That might be mind-blowing for some of us. Some of you are about to take a nap right now. Exodus 20 says this, verses 8 through 11. You could write that down. We'll turn to another passage in a moment, not this one. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The word holy means set apart. Six days you shall labor 
and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And then it goes on to say in verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and that is and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the logic that Moses has when he writes this out. He says, because God rested on the, Sabbath, on the seventh day, we too need to set it apart and rest on it from all kinds of work. That needs to be part of our rhythm. So I'm going I'm I'm to leave that there. I'm going to continue on here. Now, now, if you can't, would you meet me in the book of Deuteronomy? So it was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 5. building a case here for you guys. Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is also a retelling of the Ten Commandments. But there's a, there's a unique feature I want to highlight to us here. If you notice in Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, uh, in verse 12, as, as the Lord your God commanded you to do. And then if you could, jump down with me to verse 15. And this is what Moses writes. He says, You shall remember, this is on the Sabbath, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So I want you to see this. The first reason we keep the Sabbath day is because God uh, created the Sabbath, the seventh day. The second reason we get here, though, is because on the seventh day, on the day of rest, God calls us to remember our former slavery. You with me, fam? Because with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, God delivered us. And some of you might be thinking, hey, I was never a slave. The people of Israel undoubtedly were slaves in Egypt until God sent Moses with 10 plagues to bring upon Egypt and Pharaoh. And finally, Pharaoh reluctantly says, go, go, get the people out of here. Moses leads God's people out of slavery and into the wilderness through the Red Sea, walking on dry ground and into the wilderness and eventually the promised land. God says, on the Sabbath day, I want you to remember that you used to be slaves in Egypt. And that I delivered you and brought you through the waters and gave you rest in the land. This is what God wants them to do on the Sabbath day. And when we look at this, we ourselves need to have a similar mindset. We might think that we have not been slaves, but the truth is the Bible teaches us that we were all slaves to sin. And that when we put our faith in Jesus, God pulls us from our slavery, redeems us, forgives us, makes us part of his family, and frees us from the bondage of sin. So when we create space for rest, we do so because God commands it, is good for us, but also so that we can remember where we once were. Now I know that on a day like this and in a room like this, there are some here today who remain slaves to sin. Some of you today say, you know, I don't know what you're talking about in terms of being freed from sin. So what the Bible tells us 
is that we, we are corrupt in our hearts, that this thing called sin has kept us in bondage. And without Jesus forgiving you and redeeming you, you remain in that place. And you may experience a lack of rest in your life because of that. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment, but I just want you to know that. If you're feeling lack of rest in your life, in your soul, oftentimes because you have yet to experience God's freedom. And so on the day of rest, God calls us to remember. Now, I mentioned that the Sabbath day would be a Saturday, according to the Jewish calendar of Monday is the first day of the week. And you're like, okay, why are we here on a Sunday right now then? You ever wonder that? So what happens is in the New Testament, when Jesus raises from the dead, what day does he raise on? Sunday morning. And so what Sunday mornings became was a time of gathering for the church. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, they gathered together. The church gathered together. And in 1 Corinthians 16, it says, On the Lord's day, I'm sorry, in Revelation 1, on the Lord's day, they gathered. That Paul, that, 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 uh, John received a vision on the Lord's day. And so we see even in the New Testament that the church began to meet on Sundays like we meet now. So let me, let me pull this together for us. God commands us to rest, family. It is for our good. And what we do as a church, we get together on this day of rest, this Sunday, in order to remember what Jesus has done. That's why we sing about the cross. This is why we remember our sin and turn from it. We celebrate God's redemption, and we create space to emotionally and spiritually rest. That's what God wants us to do. When we were in Israel, the Jewish people in Israel maintain the Jewish faith, which means they reject Jesus, and so they still hold to many of the Jewish laws, But among them is the Ten Commandments, which we also affirm. But they keep the Sabbath day on a Saturday. So it starts Friday at sunset. It ends at Saturday at um, at sunset. And on the Sabbath day, they do no work. But we saw this to like the 50th degree. Because no work means like you can't press the elevator button. Like literally. So in our hotel, there was an elevator that was called the Shabbat elevator. And the elevator would start at the bottom floor and go all the way to the top floor of the hotel and then stop at every floor one at a time until it gets to the first floor and go back up. So if you were a Jewish person trying to keep the Sabbath, you wait for the elevator to stop at your floor, you walk in, and you go down. Now, it's a huge bummer if you're taking the elevator to the fourth floor and the hotel has 20 floors and you're catching it at the first floor because then you got to take it to the 20th floor and take it each step down until it gets to the fourth floor, then you get off. Because to press the button was work. What I want us to understand is what we do with God's laws oftentimes, we try to make them better than what God had made them to be. And in making them better, we make them worse. And in Jesus' own day, Jesus was oftentimes castigated for doing things on the Sabbath day, good things, like healing someone. They're like, Jesus, how dare you do that on the Sabbath? Jesus is like, the dude was paralyzed like a walk. You're mad at me for doing this because it's Saturday? Like, that's how he would look at people. The person was blind, and now they see. I did it on a Saturday, and you're mad? One day, Jesus and his disciples were going out in the fields picking grain because they were hungry, and they were doing so on the Sabbath. But the Jewish leaders had said to pick grain on the Sabbath was against God's law. And so they said, Jesus, how dare you do this? How dare you pick grain on the Sabbath? Mark chapter 2, Jesus gives them a response Feel free to meet me there if you want. I'm going to get there and read it. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus tells them a story of how King David 
and others ate bread that wasn't meant to be for them to eat, showing a purpose here. And he says in verse 27, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What Jesus is saying is the day of rest was meant to be for your good, not for your enslavement to it. What Jesus is saying is God planned for your rest to be for your spiritual benefit, to be life-giving, not life-exacting. And Jesus says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And I love that statement because we saw in the book of uh, Exodus or Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, who's the Lord of the Sabbath? But God himself. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, therefore I can tell you what to do on the Sabbath and what not to do. Jesus demonstrating his divinity. When we were in Israel uh, at this hotel on a Sabbath day, there was a, we had a group text going, and there were uh, a couple ladies, everyone had roommates, and there was a couple ladies who messaged our group text saying, hey, it's 11.30 p.m., and some guy just knocked on our door asking us if we were Jewish. And they're like really freaked out by that because why is, why is a man knock, knocking on the door at 11.30? So I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. So I went straight down to their room, and they're like, it's, it's, it scared us. You know, he's asking, like demanding, hey, are you Jewish? Can you come on out? We need you for something. And so I'm like, okay, where, where room was it? They're like, this one right here, right next door. So I'm like, it's, it's, by this point, it's midnight. I'm like, all right, you know. I knock on the door because I'm like, I want to know what's going on. And no one answers. And so I say real loudly, I was like, you know what? I said, I'm going to go down, loudly I'm telling them, to the front desk and tell security that somebody here in this next room is being a nuisance. So I'm trying to make them hear me, you know. And then we hear the door unlocked. And the girls are like, oh, no, he's coming out. A guy comes out just kind of like, you know, kind of inching forward. His room's completely dark. And I'm like, did you knock on their door? He's like, yes, I'm sorry. I'm like, He's like, it, it was no big deal. I just, you know, I just wanted to know if they're Jewish. I'm like, why did you do this, you know? And he had, a, he had a woman with him, and I said, why didn't you have her do that if you needed something instead of yourself? We talked about it, and then he says this. He says, we accidentally turned off our bathroom light, and it's against the Sabbath law to turn it back on. So we wanted to know if they could come inside and turn it on for us. And I was like, wild, huh? See, there are ways that we take God's laws and we twist them to ways that are not helpful anymore. But I I want us to hear this, family. God calls you to rest. Yes, have a day a week where you set it apart to rest. Maybe some of you work Sundays and you're here today, you got off. Maybe you're listening online here during the week because you work on Sunday. Create a day in the week where you can rest and keep the principle of Sabbath. Scripture goes on to tell us, and I won't turn there for the sake of time, in uh, Psalm 127, verse 2, that even the daily rest is needed. That many times we go to sleep late and we wake up early having anxious toil. And then he said, the psalmist says, God gives his beloved sleep. So sometimes, as one person said, the most godly thing you could do is take a nap. But listen here, listen here. I mentioned earlier that was, some of us remain slaves to sin and don't understand God's rest. The Bible shows us that many times we are striving in life, and no matter what you do, maybe this is you today, I want you to hear me. 
Maybe this is you. You never find rest. You think it's the more money you can make, so you put in more hours, you get the money, you're still not resting. Maybe you've taken vacations, and you get back, and you're like, I'm still not rested. And maybe what it is, is not that you're physically tired, but that your soul is parched, and it's in need of rest. You see, everything on earth has a heavenly picture. Everything does. And among that is rest. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus is not saying, hey, I got a great bed and breakfast for you. Put in 12 hours of sleep, you'll be good to go. He's not saying that. What he's saying is the turmoil in your soul is not a result of lack of sleep, but the turmoil many of you are feeling today is because you have yet to surrender your life to the one who gives rest. My prayer for you today is that you would experience God's rest. And what it means is when you put your faith and you say, Jesus, I know you died for me. And my sin problem that's in my heart, I can't fix it. I've tried to do it. I've tried to wash away my problems. I try to have a better life. But no matter how hard I try, I find myself falling. Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me for my sins. I believe in your death. I believe in your resurrection. Would you bring me to your family? In which God says, yes, you are forgiven. You are adopted as my son or my daughter. And I give you the gift of eternal life. Then you experience Rest. Anybody experiencing rest out there today? God is so good to us. Yes, his life is filled with anxious toil so often. And we're tired. But we can experience rest. And indeed, a greater rest awaits us. So how could I sum up this 24-7 series? We talked about from the time you wake up to when your head hits the pillow to have it focused on God, remembering his goodness, spending time with Jesus, keeping a kingdom first priority. Family, this is God's will for you if you are a child of God, and this is what he invites you to if you are not. So this is what I tell you. Open your day by opening your eyes to God's kindness. Open your lips swiftly to God's timing. Open your mind to his will. Open his word and be still. Open your door and enter your mission field. Open your hands in diligent work. Open your life so people can see God's work. Open your mouth about his grace. Open your meals with thanks over what you taste. Open your wallet in joyful generosity. Open your friendships to those with spiritual curiosity. Open up. Invite God in. To every corner of your life until your eyes grow dim. Because as each day winds down, you got another 24 coming right around. So yes, open up and invite God in. Salvaging each moment of your 24-7. This is what God wants for us, church. And let's redeem the days because they're short. Heaven is real and glorious and we want people to know Jesus through us. Let's pray, fam. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of rest. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that guides us from the time we wake up to the moment we sleep. And Lord, you keep watch over us even as we sleep and we have no clue what's going on. You are such a good God to us, Lord. Father, I pray for that man, that woman, who's here today, 
who knows no rest right now, Lord. God, maybe they've kept you at arm's length and they feel the anxious toil burdening them. Lord, I pray that they would humble themselves and take Jesus' yoke that he says is light and easy. Lord, I pray that your church would rise up, that we would be those who keep the kingdom first, not second or third. And Lord, that we would live for you with all we've got. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that is said, we've got five others who know about God's rest. We got five people who are going to testify how God has brought them rest through Jesus. So I want to invite up Daisy, Malave, Joel Mesa, Dominic De La Cruz, Caden Lubanko, and Chloe Riggs. Would you guys come on up on the stage? You have the mic. Thank you. Ca- casual Sunday? <laughs> Family. These five people have encouraged me and our leaders here so much over the past about month or so. Um, I'm so proud of you guys being here. Um, so encouraged by each of you. Um, like we saw last week, God rocks people's lives at different times of our lives. And uh, it is such a joy to see our young children getting baptized, our youth and our adults. There's no one out there today who's beyond God's reach, fam. No matter where you're at in life, you might be a young child, a youth, or an adult, and God is saying, come to me, find rest, find forgiveness, surrender your life entirely to me. They're going to be sharing their story here of how Jesus saved them. They're going to talk about that. And as I shared with the the family last Sunday, there are some of you today who are going to hear a word spoken on the stage that's going to pierce into your soul. We had some testify about that last week. It happens every time. I want you to listen and say, hey, this is is where I'm at perhaps. That story relates to me. I want you to hear what God did with these five individuals. And let's give him all the glory. If you are a part of the family of God today, remember from where you were snatched. Remember your once slavery and your redemption through God's mighty hand and outstretched arm in Jesus, right? Amen. All right, so with that being said, Daisy, would you go first because you're standing closest to me? Would you like me to hold the mic for you or do you want to hold it? Okay. 